Welcome to Aging Health Matters, a podcast from Keypro, a beneficiary and family-centered care quality improvement organization. We plan to cover healthcare topics for the Medicare population. Information in today's show may help you or someone you know in their healthcare journey. Thanks for joining us. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of KeyPros Podcast, Aging Health Matters. This is Nancy Job, an outreach specialist with KeyPro. KeyPro is the beneficiary and family-centered care quality improvement organization for 29 states. We have three key services for people who have Medicare, discharge appeals, quality of care complaints, and immediate advocacy services. More information on these topics is available on our website at www.keyproqio.com. As we reach out on these topics to Medicare recipients, we work with many outstanding partners to help spread information about the Medicare program and its benefits. Today's podcast includes one of our partnering organizations, the Senior Medicare Patrol, also known as SMP for short. And we're happy to bring you our guest from Montana's SMP, Renee Labry Shanks. And as a reminder, we sometimes invite our partners to participate in our podcast based on the topic. And while we greatly appreciate their partnerships, we also want to be clear that the opinions and guidance expressed by them in this podcast is solely theirs or their agencies and are not those of KeyPro, CMS, or the Medicare program. So please keep in mind that state-by-state guidances may differ as well. Can you tell us today, Renee, a little bit about yourself and how you got to be involved with SMP? Sure, yes. I am the statewide Montana SMP program director, and I am located within Missoula Aging Services, which is an area agency on aging in Montana. I've been employed here since 2001 and going (laughs) strong. So I've been running this statewide program since 2006. And a little bit about my background, I've served on the board of the Montana Gerontology Society, the State Health Insurance Assistance Program Advisory Council, the State Information Assistance Planning Committee, the Chamber Health Committee, and currently serving on the AARP Executive Council. Well, you sound very busy in your community there, Renee. Can you tell us today a little bit about what is the Senior Medicare Patrol and how do they help Medicare beneficiaries? Yes, I'd be glad to. SMP is a grant-based program and it is administered by the Administration for Community Living. And it's been in operation since 1997 when it was a demonstration grant that year. And then in 1999, it went statewide, or I should say went statewide in Montana, but it went nationwide. And it is in every state and U.S. protectorate. So we've got 54 state projects in all. And the overall mission is to simply empower and assist people on Medicare, their families, and caregivers to prevent, detect, and report health care fraud, errors, and abuse through outreach, counseling, and education. And that's a mouthful, but there's a saying, you can't arrest your way out of a problem. So when we educate people, our intention is to empower them to recognize and stop the waste, fraud, and abuse at the start instead of three years down the road when we're arresting someone. We want to stop them from stealing in the first place. And we are a free service with trained staff and volunteers, and we assist in educating and counseling people on Medicare. And we can be found in Montana by calling your closest area agency on aging, 
or anywhere in the U.S. at www.smpresource.org. Great. That was a mouthful as far as what all uh, the SMP does. Could you kind of give me an example of if I was a Medicare beneficiary, why would I call you? I think people need to know that Medicare processes four and a half million claims a day. So as long as those I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, those claims are going to be processed. And the people on Medicare, they're the only ones who know who they saw, when they went to the doctor, what service they received. So they're the only ones who can truly stop the fraud at the start. And that's why our number one message to everyone is to read their Medicare summary notice or MSN or their Medicare Advantage Explanation of Benefits, or EOB. And they need to read those. They can see if they've been billed for more services than they've received, billed by a doctor they've never met, and they can stop it when it's under $500 instead of $1.2 million. And that's like stopping a thief at the front door when they just broke the glass, but they really didn't get in your house and, and steal everything. We don't want to wait until they run through your house, grab everything of value, and pawn it and find them three years later when they've spent all the money, we don't want to be in the position to put them in jail after the fact. It's simply not as cost effective as stopping them in the first place. So our tip for listeners is read your Medicare summary notice or Medicare Advantage explanation of benefits regularly, and we can help with that. Renee, that kind of brings a point to me. I was sitting here thinking, so if you think that Let's say you were going in to have some tests done and you had an EKG done, but then you got a bill and it was showing that you had some big fancy EKG done, let's say, but you knew you didn't have that done. You only had just a simple one. Would that be a case to call? That would be. And we want people to feel empowered. First step would probably just to simply call their provider and say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this? And if it doesn't make sense, the answer is not satisfactory or they still don't understand, then give us a call. And or if they don't feel they can advocate for themselves, give us a call. We're not adversarial. We live in a low fraud state. We've got a lot of great providers doing great work. But we do want to make sure the people understand what they need to look for, who they need to call and how they can fix things. So when you get that phone call from someone What happens in that process? What do you all do from that point? Well, the first thing is capture the entire story. And every case is so different. So it's hard to say, you know, we do A, B, C, D. But the first thing is to gather all that information and try and determine, is it just a matter of an educational piece that they don't understand a Medicare benefit? Or maybe there was a mistake at the provider's office and they can call and get a simple explanation. And then if it is something more than that, we will collect their documents and we will take the case. We will get the release of information. We'll contact the providers and we'll kind of make an assessment. And oftentimes we can resolve a case. Maybe there is a mistake in the coding or maybe there was a mistake. They just didn't submit the claim or whatever it is. We can get to the bottom of that. And if we do guess that it might be abuse or fraud, we will refer to the appropriate agency. So once you gather all the information and you figure out that, okay, this needs to go forward, then you submit that to someone else. Then from what I'm seeing, would that be to Medicare or is that how that goes? So what we do is if it's Medicare fraud, we'll write up the case and submit it directly to the Office of Inspector General. 
they're the ones with the guns and the badges who can do the investigation. We're more of the researchers. So we'll research. We'll make sure something is fraud or alleged fraud before we send it on to them. And that goes for Medicaid fraud. We've referred cases to Medicaid Fraud Control Unit, to the Attorney General's office. And we do work where APS is a partner. We would refer neglect, abuse, exploitation to APS as appropriate. It just depends on the case. But yes, we would do that for them. And that way we can capture what's going on. The OIG wants to not just resolve issues, they need to track the issues. So we can share that across the nation and say, here's a high utilization of hospice fraud or whatever it is going on in those areas. And then we need to amp up that education that goes along with that. That makes sense. I know that a few years back that there was a big fraud case on some DME equipment, durable medical equipment. And I'm assuming that probably started with an S&P claim and then it started kind of snowballs into that big investigation to find out that there was quite a bit of fraud going on there. So would I be right in assuming that? You would be right. Back then, that was just a couple short years ago, really. There were a couple of nurse practitioners in Montana that had been billing for durable medical equipment that the people didn't need, that they didn't order, that they never even saw these nurse practitioners. They were being ordered basically by telemarketers with no certification or training. That was a large fraud case that we were just a part of in Montana. And both of those people served time and are on supervised release right now. So people watching their statements and calling in It works. And yeah, we turned over several of those cases to our attorney general's office and the office of inspector general that were part of those. And that brings up a point, too, when you were talking about telemarketers, because I'm sure a lot of Medicare beneficiaries receive those phone calls of, oh, don't you need a back brace or don't you need new footwear or whatever it may be. So, I mean, that's a good educational tool for them that I'm sure that you kind of put out there is to not be purchasing through telemarketers some kind of medical equipment because they said that they can file it for you to Medicare. Would that be right? That would be right. We like to say, you know, Medicare is not marketing. They're not out there to sell product. They're there to make sure people get the benefits they need and cover them. So if your doctor hasn't ordered something and you get a phone call from somewhere who knows where New Jersey, Florida telling you you're eligible for this and we can get you set up with that. There's a couple things that are a problem with that. One, they don't know you and two, even if you ordered something through them, say it is a back brace. You know, everybody's had a bad back at some point in their life. You're likely to get something that doesn't fit. It's just a cheap piece of velcro and plastic. It's not going to fit you and you're not going to get fitted for that by ordering it that way. You want to go through locally, go through your doctor, go through the local providers. They can make sure things fit you right and then can make sure things are necessary. Because just because it can get it doesn't mean you should get it. We spend a lot of money on our health care. It's a billion dollar industry. But a lot of it, like $70 billion a year is wasted, is gone just to the fraud, waste and abuse. Now, your services are free, correct, when people contact you? and Correct. Okay. Are you a volunteer-based or staff-based, or is every state a little bit different? 
That's a good question. We do utilize trained volunteers that help with the program, and we also use trained staff. So it's across the board, and depending on the county, the capacity for volunteer recruitment and retention. And in Montana, being a frontier state, some counties utilize volunteers more than others. And regardless of that, countywide, every county across the United States has representation of some sort or another, whether it's staff or a volunteer. Right, great. And do you work with other organizations like, say, the state health insurance programs and long-term care ombudsman? Do you all work with different stakeholders as well? Oh, yes. We have several key partnerships, especially when they serve older and dependent adults, especially those at risk of experience abuse, neglect, or exploitation. But SHIP, the State Health Insurance Assistance Program, is definitely a key partnership because they're out there providing the one-on-one assistance and counseling and education to Medicare beneficiaries. And so we're the other side of the coin where we are the Medicare fraud, waste, and abuse part of that. And so we definitely work in tandem. And we also work with a lot of state and national partners, advisory boards, providing presentations, making referrals, sharing materials, and even staffing community education events. And another close partner I want to mention is the ARP in Montana anyway. We share these fraud prevention priorities. And so we make a great partner because we give presentations, whether virtually now or in person, and do a lot of that education together. Do you have any last minute tips or advice that you'd like to share with everyone? I've got a lot. I could probably take another half hour. No, I (laughs) want to tell people the number one thing they need to do to stop the fraud is to read their quarterly Medicare summary notice or their monthly Medicare Advantage explanation of benefits and also keep their Medicare number safe. They're no longer our Social Security number, but they're still a blank check to Medicare. So my message is to just please understand your role and play your part. Read those statements question anything that doesn't add up, and call SMP if you need any assistance understanding a bill or an MSN or need to report something they didn't receive or didn't need, you know, and suspect the fraud or abuse. If we can stop it at $100, we'd never have to spend the big money trying to get back what we've already spent. So please just read your statements and don't give out information over the phone to people you don't know. That's some great information, Renee. And I know for our listeners, if you want to find out more about the SMP program in your state, you could go to www.smpresource.org. And the links that we're mentioning here today, the KeePro, QIO, and the smpresource.org will be available in the show notes there. So you can check that out to find the local SMP for your state. Also, I wanted to thank you, Renee, for sharing all your information with us. and. For our listeners, thank you for listening to our podcast today and be sure and check out KeeproQIO.com to find out about our podcast or maybe some that you have not listened to that they should be on there as well. We do try to put out a podcast on a regular basis, so please keep listening for us.